0: Beautiful. Well, as a church, capital C, Jesus Christ Church, we want to be a people with a mission, don't we? We have a mission. He's given us that. And it starts here by being ordinary people following Jesus, loving as we go. I'm loving seeing the hashtags, ordinary people, on Facebook um, as we're out serving others. We do that here, but we also have a chance to partner in the gospel across the world. And this morning, we are very privileged to have Arthur and Anne-Marie Schneider with us. And they are uh, regional directors for the Eurasia region. That's a big deal, folks. These guys are kind of, in the world of NMI, they're kind of big cheeses. So uh, we're very, very uh, excited to have them with us. And they have word to share with us this morning about work that's going on in the Eurasia district and then how we can partner with them in that work. Come if you would.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Christy. That's much appreciated. Uh, just let me say that uh, we uh, feel uh, very um, welcome. Um, your uh, your pastor and his wife and uh, Karen and and Art uh, really kind of provided. Uh, a beautiful place, and uh, to experience your hospitality. Karen and Art even took us to—do um, you call it the art fair? Like uh, in 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 the center in Marysville. Um, so, and uh, we were looking at uh, every, all the crafts and stuff uh, like that. And Anne-Marie got us some nice stuff that we can take home. So, so thank you very much for having us. I have to make a confession before we go into the surface because I will. Um, I will do this service and Anne-Marie will speak in the second uh, service because my wife is an ordained elder as well. So I think uh, uh, that will be only right uh, to uh, to divide it that way. I have a confession to make and that is this is our first, our very first Faith Promise Weekend ever. <laughs> so I have never done a Faith Promise Weekend ever anywhere in the world. So if the offerings and the promises are down from last year, like, you know who to blame. It's not your pastor, it's me. So I feel like potentially I feel very bad about that. Uh, But I thought, well, I might as well own up to it. I once heard a story uh, that I kind of tugged in my memory. And uh, um, since uh, Anna-Marie and I are traveling quite a bit, we come to uh, airports quite a bit. Um, and uh, so it, it stuck with me. And uh, here's this guy, and, like, he... Uh, 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 really, like, it's a very common experience. Like, you always have too many bags. <laughs> and so here's this guy. He's in the airport, and uh, he has uh, checked in, but still he has too many bags, and uh, he goes uh, to this place where he can get some coffee and some donuts. And uh, so he, he gets himself a nice uh, little bag of donuts. Uh, you know, men, like, when our wives are not with us, we only just, like, we get a couple more donuts than when they are with us. <laughs> so, uh, so he has his little bag of donuts, and uh, so, like, he's, he has his bag and the donuts, like, and a drink in his hands, and he's looking for a place, and it's quite crowded that morning. And so, then, he sees a small table with just one guy. So, he says, well, okay. So, he, uh, He walks over there and uh, he he puts all of his stuff down and he sits himself on a chair and he's quite pleased that he has made it and uh, this is donut time. So the bag of donuts is on the table and he reaches over to kind of savor the moment and he takes out a donut and he enjoys it And then to his surprise, the guy on the other side of the table. He reaches over to the bag, (laughs) takes out the donut. And he is just speechless. He is just stunned. Doesn't know what to do with the situation. And so he thinks, well, all right, okay. You get some, you take some, and... And so he gets a second donut, enjoys it. But lo and behold, the guy on the other side of the table reaches over and gets a second donut out of the bag. Well, I mean, there are only two things you can do. Either you explode or you suffer in silence. Silence. And he suffered in silence. And he knows, like, third time around, what's going to happen? Well, what happens surprises him even more. The guy kind of tears the bag, like, opens it. There's one donut left. The guy breaks it in two pieces, takes one half, puts the other half on the open bag, shifts it across the table to him. (laughs) The other guy stands up and walks away. His airplane is probably waiting for him. And this guy is just beyond himself. The audacity not just only to take the donuts... ...but to actually the last donut... ...like to, to share it as if like they're brothers. I mean, this is just outrageous. And while he is fuming... ...he hears the call like that his airplane is also leaving. So he gathers his stuff. And then he sees there on the floor... Next to his bags, a paper bag with his own donuts.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I think of faith mission, I think of people sacrificially giving. And you know what I think that most people who receive a sacrificial gift most of the time don't realize the sacrifice and the gift I would guess that like when when you like maybe in the last 2 or 3 years when you joined this church I don't think, like, you did a lot of research on the history of the church. I don't think, like, you, you um, flipped through a book or anything like that or went around interviewing people, um, like, why is this church here? How, how, how come this is? Um, a community where people really believe that that Jesus Christ transforms people I don't think you asked all those questions you just came and you enjoyed the fellowship and you enjoyed the services and like there was someone reaching out to you praying for you uh, loving you helping you you never stopped to ask like what is the source of all this very often when we are given gifts, we don't stop to think about the gift. And we certainly are most of the time not aware of the sacrifice that goes with it. Isn't that true, parents? Do your children ever like kind of come to you and say, well, you like it's, it's beyond me how you can just care for me and love me all the time. Oh, thank you, thank you. And they, they do that all the time? No. Well, at least my kids are not like that. My kids kind of take for granted that Anna-Marie and I love them and they they care for them. And when we are just a tiny bit off, they complain. And sometimes I feel like, don't you understand what it takes to be a parent? No, they don't. And if I would explain to them, they're not impressed. They will only know when they are parents themselves. Right? Right? And for me, faith promise is a moment where everyone in the congregation stops and stands before the Lord and said, Lord, the only one who truly understands sacrificial giving and generosity for the sake of others is you. And I want to mirror you. And maybe people will say, well, like, if, if, if you sign the pledge card, like, for $20 a week, like, that, that is really something. But that's not the question. The question is, like, when we stand before the Lord and we want to mirror Him, what is He saying to us? And there are many more ways to sacrifice and to give than by pledging money. I think the pledge of money goes with a pledge to pray. But also goes with a willingness to give. I think Pastor Christie was spot on. Mission starts here. Walking to people. Somehow connecting. And I know, like I'm a little bit of an introvert... To walk over and to connect, it always costs me something. But I want to mirror Christ. With, with all due respect, in a holy way. But like, he has shared a big bag of donuts with me in many, many ways. And many times I thought they were mine donuts, but they were not. They were his and He gave them generously, liberally, and in many more ways than I can imagine. When I look at my life and when I listen to some of the stories of other people, I think, Lord, why did my life turn out differently? Why did You call me to serve You? Why, why did, you, did You allow me to see so much of Your work? And the only answer is that God, in His grace... Never is tired to sacrificially give. So this Sunday, when you, if I saw it like you have already handed in your cards. Well, maybe add a second card or a third one. I say, Lord, I want to mirror you. And Marie and I, like in the two surfaces that we have, we we would like to share what we have seen of what the sacrificially sharing of Nazarenes has been doing around the world, at least our part of the world. But we have, like Eurasia region, like that's a big chunk of the world. Um, we, we cover all of the former Soviet Union with all these uh, special um, states or republics that, like, end with Stan. And there are a lot of those Stan republics. All of Europe, Northern Europe, former Eastern Europe, Southern Europe, all the way to the Middle East, all of the Middle East, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, but also like uh, Kuwait and uh, the Emirates, um, and then all the way through India, a vast continent, 1.2 billion people, and then all of South Asia, Pakistan, Nepal, the place where the earthquake uh, was, Bangladesh, where the church is in revival mode and exploding, and Sri Lanka. That is Eurasia. And I would just hope that we will be able to give you a little bit of a taste of what you're giving you're praying, and I hope also your going is actually doing and how the Lord is working through it. By the way, like, if you struggle a little bit with my English, uh, that's because I'm from the Netherlands, as is Anna Marie. That's where we live, and that's how we speak English over there. So I'm sorry about that. Okay, I would like to take you to a scripture that talks about, like, What is happening if people start to live sacrificially? And um, do you think we can get the PowerPoint on? Otherwise, I have to send Pastor Paul over there because he did a good job yesterday despite all the obstacles. Uh, I would like to take you to Philippians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. And there Paul says, and now remember, Paul is in prison when he writes this and Philippi. Any idea where Philippi is? It's in... Well, (laughs) all right. Two more donuts for your pastor. It's in Eurasia. It's actually in Greece. And Greece is one of the countries where, uh, the Lord willing, in 2016, we will send um, a missionary couple to open new work in Greece. And I have told Josh and Shannon Herden, I've told them, you pray and you share and you ask the Lord to give you two, if possible, three voluntary missionary couples who will go with you there for two years. That's, of course, outrageous. I mean, that's a lot of donuts I'm asking for. But you know what? I really believe, and I'm impressed with how often the Lord is urging people to go and to be involved in missions themselves. And they go, folks. And when you talk with missionary volunteers, the amazing thing is that they don't see it as a sacrifice. They share, it has been tough, it has been hard, it has been difficult away from home in this strange environment. But they also share that they've been touched with the fire of God... And that they have seen that the Lord can do immeasurably more more than they thought. And that they could even pray. So Paul is in prison. And he writes to these people in Philippi. And they had a difficult uh, time, as you could read in the book of Acts. And he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, let me read that again. What was happening to him? He was in prison. Prison wasn't fun. It's, it's, not, it's hard now. But back then, it was even tougher... And he says, like, what has happened? So, he, he, like, he's not saying, like, that he had been to a revival or, like, that uh, there were thousands of people coming to Christ and respond to his preaching. He's saying, like, what has happened to me, I'm in this dark prison. And what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. And then he explains it. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, all these soldiers and to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and there all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Two things happened. One is that... The Lord opened in the prison opportunities to speak with people He would never otherwise reach. And the second thing is that other people got inspired and that the fear kind of left their body, left their mind, and that they too would share the gospel. They were not in prison, they were like ordinary people following Jesus, but what was holding them back was a a measure of anxiety, a measure of Fear, what, w- what will happen, what will people say, what will people do, what will I lose if I share that Jesus Christ is the king and that he rules and no other pow- power. And Paul is saying, for me it opened up unheard opportunities to share the gospel, and he, he followed that. Like all the way to Rome. All the way to the emperor's palace, he was able to share Christ. So it did something for Paul and it did something for the people who witnessed that. Well, I think most of us are not like Paul. Some might be called that way, but most of us are not. I think many times, like our missionaries, they are like Paul. They, they go to places, and I'm always glad like, that we visit them rather than that we have to stay there. Like Steve and Rachel Beiler. Um, I do not know where they have been here. I think so. Did they show you pictures of Albania? I'm always glad, like, that I have a way out there. Because when Steve, like, took me around, like, with the car and he was sharing and he was saying, like, do you you see these, like, little uh, concrete um, small buildings uh, over there? Like, the dictator of Albania uh, would constantly, like, send out propaganda that people... From outside Albania, were trying to to get the good things of the people of Albania. Well, like, that's well. There were not a lot of good things in Albania. But like, and and so we're threatened. And in the middle of the night, he would call people to like to leave their homes and to have this kind of semi military drill and go to these concrete buildings, like as if uh, so that they would know what to do when to protect their, their country. And and like I'm listening and I think like, Steve, Rachel, how can you live here in a country like that? But you know, if you have met Steve and Rachel, you know that they love it there. And that they see opportunities to share Christ's love. And I can just see they have become one with the people from Albania. And they say, see opportunities. Well, Paul was like that. Paul saw opportunities in prison. Stephen, and Rachel, and many other missionaries, they see opportunities where we only see hindrances and sacrifices and, and difficulties and deprivation. But they see opportunities to share Christ and they live Christ. They're ordinary people, but by the grace of God, they have become extraordinary. Well, that was Paul, but we are not so very much like Paul, but Paul is very much aware that the Lord has called him in a way, like to, to lead the way and to pioneer, but that he is also an example, an example that God can be trusted. And you know, that is something I can relate to, because when I listen to Steve and Rachel, I think, if the Lord can give you this deep love for the people of Albania, well, then the Lord can also help me to overcome like my fear and my anxiety and to trust Him that in my own place in the Netherlands or when I go to the office in Germany or when I visit other places, that the Lord is going to Help me be confident in Him and there all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Well, I want to share a little bit of the story of Kaylin and Browning. They are nearly retired. They are in their last year where they travel from church to church to church, sharing what the Lord has done for them and through them in 34 years of ministry in the Middle East... 34 years. That's amazing, folk. I don't know wh- how often, like, you, you read your newspaper or, like, flip on your iPad through uh, some of the news sites. But the Middle East is not an easy place to be. There is a lot of conflict. And a lot of conflict, like, is under the skin. Sometimes it, f- like, burst explodes openly but there is hostility all the time. Some of us can relate to that because, like, we live in families Like, where there is a lot of, I would say, like, silent anger. Well, here are nations with silent anger, silent hatred towards one another. And they've been living in that area for 34 years. And... Um, I remember Lindell um, sharing um, that, it, that it was by the grace of God that he could be there with his wife for 34 years. And he shared a story once how uh, when uh, he was in, in, in Israel and like um, most of our churches, we have about six churches in, in the Holy Land district and almost all of them are um, Arabic or pal- Palestinian uh, churches um, and like ha- yeah, how, how they had poured their life in the leaders and the pastors um, uh, there. And he said at a time like when there was the first, I think the first or second uprising of the Palestinians where there was a lot of fighting between Israel- Israeli police and Palestinians throwing rocks, um, he and his son, uh, a small boy at that time, like found themselves in the street, and as like there was, like they found themselves like in a place where all of a sudden like there was this uh, fighting and stone throwing, and um, his son got hit by a rock, and he had to be rushed to the hospital, and and Lindel shared how in the ambulance he was just fuming with anger and he was crying out to the Lord he said Lord I have given my life my family my all to these people and look what they have done to my son and he was in an inner turmoil if you ever think like that being a missionary is a piece of cake like and that you are on cloud which cloud are you here nine cloud nine all the time like always in the presence of the lord being carried by the spirit of the lord and like well think again he was just in so much turmoil and anger and disappointment and then in the hospital like in the um, emergency uh, unit where like they took care of him and stitched him up his son reached out to him and like grabbed his right hand and squeezed it. And Lindell said, that was the touch of the Lord at that moment because he said, I've been trying to teach my children scripture verses by heart. And he said, one of the ways that I tried to help them remember was like with certain gestures. And so that been working on this, this part of the Psalms. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You hold me by your right hand. And so as they were memorizing, as they were practicing, Lindel would reach out to his son as they were practicing this and grab his right hand, squeeze it, and said, the Lord holds you by your right hand. And so in this hospital, when Linda was in turmoil, asking the Lord, like, how can they do this to me? Like, why do they make me sacrifice uh, the well-being of my son? His a little boy, reached out and reminded his dad, his missionary dad, you hold me. The Lord holds you by your right hand. Why would a little boy do that? I think these are expressions of the Holy Spirit getting involved in the nitty gritty of life, right. urging Him. Why would the Holy Spirit do that? Well, I think part of the answer is because of you, because of your prayers. You pray for missionaries. And like you have linked missionaries. And, 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 and sometimes the Lord kind of wakes you up and says, like, pray for this person. Remember that Steve and Rachel, like, pray for them. Give for them. And Henry and I are here this morning to say, the Lord is answering your prayers. But you don't know that this is happening. But I want to encourage you, keep praying, keep giving. Because that's the only way that our poles, our missionaries, can be there in prison and rather than, than like being all like in chains, that they are there with a sense I'm here at this bad place, but I'm in chains for Christ. And Paul is not writing all this about the prison. He is writing about Christ. He's writing about that the Lord is able to carry him and to carry others through. Well, let me show you how the Lord carries through. We have a... a, Like, you have a, a, a privilege... This is a preview of uh, the Eastern Mediterranean, we call the Middle East, Eastern Mediterranean field. Um, And um, this is a video uh, that we're going to show at our regional conference um, in uh, in Turkey in uh, just two more months, like in November. Um, And uh, we wanted to share it with you so that you get something of a flavor of what the Lord is doing. Okay, Dave. Young leader that you saw here, here, uh, his name is Khalil. He is the one who actually is now um, field coordinator as Kane Lindell Browning have retired. Khalil and his wife, Randa, um, have been pastoring a church in uh, Amman, Jordan, uh, for uh, quite a number of years. And uh, Khalil... Uh, came to find the Lord when his life uh, was in real turmoil. Uh, he, um, um, like he was in a mess, like he had been in prison. And when he was released from prison, um, he met, met another um, lady uh, who took him under his wing, like inviting him like to a, a, a church meal, and shared about Christ with him. And Khalil relate to me, like, that this lady, when she talked about the need for Christ and why people need Christ, he said, like, she was talking about, like, the dark places in my life, as if she could, like, see right through me, and that was his starting point. He surrendered his life to Christ, and the Lord led him a long way, like, he was discipled, among others, by, by Lyndall Browning, um, like absorbing, like the teaching, and and like the fellowship, and the relationships. I mean, like becoming Christ-like disciples is not all talk, right? Most of the time, you learn more about discipleship by watching the saints around you, and seeing what love is working. But the Lord shaped him, and he became a pastor. He's a very successful pastor. He has a large congregation, But what impressed me most and why I recommended him to become responsible for the Middle East was that the Lord put it in his heart to go over to Iraq in the time that Saddam Hussein was still ruling there. And he would go over to share the gospel with Muslims and to build up the small, like, house churches that were there. He was going out in my eyes, he's like a Paul because he was risking his life. But he would go out just the same. And listening to him, he would never make a big deal about the risk of his life... Uh, and, ...and the dangers that were there. He would always speak about the opportunities that Christ was providing uh, for him. And so then, when the refugees, as we saw in the video clip, when the refugees came his church opened their sanctuary and they were providing like um, a, a meal once a week and they were trying like to get um, uh, packages like with um, clothes and stuff like that just to to help them. But then like about two years ago when the Islamic State was really uh, like becoming explosively violent uh, against Um, other uh, Muslims, Khalil shared, he said, there are people coming now who are, like, very, um, very strong and very conservative um, Muslims, like, who have been taught, um, like, to, to curse everything to do with Christianity. And he said, there was a lady... At one of the meals in our church. And she stood up. And she said when we came here. As refugees there was nothing that we had. So like with being close to Ramadan. And like we turned to our own uh, people. To the imam of the mosque. Um, here uh, in uh, imam. To the mosque here in Amman. Um, and uh, like he She said, we just asked for a bit of food to celebrate. And, like, he chased us away with a stick. And she said, like, here you are, Christians, people we were taught to curse and to shun and to stay away from. And you are offering what we need in a generous, sacrificial way. And you saw it. Khalil was saying this is the time for the great harvest. Can you believe that? Every time I hear him say that, I think like, are you awake, Khalil? Do do you read newspapers? How how can you describe like all this as a time of great harvest? But it is as he says, hard times make for a great future because we have a great God. God. Paul is saying, I'm here in chains for Christ. And because of that, other believers have become confident... ...that they too can share the gospel without fear. Your sacrifices and your investments... ...your prayers, your giving... ...the encouragement of your sons and daughters to go out... ...and to serve are not in vain. Do you believe that, church? It is not in vain. You might not hear enough about it... ...but they are instrumental in the Lord... ...providing hope in dark places. So when you think of Eurasia... ...you see the news lines that in many places it's dark, but you remember Lyndall Browning, you remember Khalil, you remember Philippians 1, the Lord has turned it into instruments, into powers that help spread the gospel. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you, Arthur. Didn't he do an awesome job this morning? Why don't you give him a hand? In your bulletin, there is a faith promise card. Can you guys wave that at me and make sure everybody's got one? Ushers have more in the back as well. Uh, Faith promise is is just that. It's a a promise that you make to support world missions. Uh, Every dollar that you give in, in... faith promise offering and, and, and missions offering does not go to this church. We, we don't use that here, but it's sent out and and to help in areas like Arthur described. Uh, we, we believe God's doing a great work and he's calling us all to be missionaries where we are, uh, but he's also calling us to support missionaries around the world. And so uh, I'm going to ask, Is is Amy in here? If she's not, we'll just Can we put some, or Vicki, you want to come and just play something? I'm going to give you just a few moments if you've not had time to consider the Faith Promise uh, card just to to pray over that. You got beat. Sorry, Amy. That's okay. I I surprise her like that. And if you don't know, Chris and Amy have little kids, and sometimes she's busy. And I I don't know why, but uh, sometimes she's busy with them. And so, Vicki, if you'll play, um, just remember this. To whom much is given, much is expected. Uh, we are blessed people. Uh, We're in a blessed nation uh, financially. And and I believe God calls us uh, to support world areas. And this is just a good way that you can do this. So be prayerful just for a couple minutes, and then we'll receive the cards. If, if you don't have clarity, you know, we, we don't want you to feel some sort of pressure in the moment. Take it home, pray about it, and uh, bring it back next week. But but do be prayerful about this in the next couple minutes, and then the ushers will come and receive your cards. Well, stand with me if you will, and uh, Arthur, awesome job this morning uh, for for a first timer. I tell you what, you did really well, and uh, I don't know may, maybe you don't have anything else you're doing during second service, and you want to come out and see Anna Marie as well, and and you can come to church twice. Okay, Do you realize that uh, there there's no additional charge. It's all you know same same price. But maybe you want to come out and support her if nothing else is going on. I mean, Ohio State's already played. You guys don't have anything till next week, right? Lord, bless us, be with us, keep us, and continue to guide us and direct us. Uh, We give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for our missionaries. And we pray, Lord, you'll just continue to bless and use them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.